Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today we have Tim, and I've decided to deem Tim as the effective boss for many different reasons. And as we go through this interview, Tim is going to unveil the multiple different facets of who he is in his business. So, Tim, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what are we talking about today? Yeah. Hey, thanks for so much for having me on here. Yeah, I've been uh, um, been involved in growing businesses. I'm obsessed with growing businesses. So. I started out graduating from college, working as a CPA at PricewaterhouseCoopers, consulting, working with a lot of clients, built a software company from zero. You know, there's just two of us at the beginning to uh, we built, built it up to about 400 employees, sold it to Intuit. I traveled around the world for about 10 years teaching on leadership and growth uh, concepts, a lot in uh, faith-based environments, churches also in governments, uh, business conferences, that kind of stuff. And I kept getting people uh, that came up to me after a seminar and they said, hey, there's great concepts on how to grow your business. Are you a coach? Can you coach me? And I go, well, what's your question? So I'd give them maybe an hour worth of my time, not realizing that people actually build whole businesses around this. They're getting paid for it. And so I actually... uh, reverse that where I go out every now and then and speak, but I've got a whole coaching business I've built. We got about 150 clients that we're currently working with on a weekly basis. We're growing pretty fast and I'm um, just having a blast getting really setting business owners free from their own business so they can own a business and not be a slave to it. Wow, wow. I think one of the things that you just said was one of the phenomenal things and why I called you the effective boss was like, I mean, you went from a two man team to a couple hundred and then you actually sold it. So let's just talk about this acquisition for a minute. Right. I mean, you just you blew through it so nonchalantly, like it was just something <laughs> everyone just does. So let's yeah. talk about that for a minute. Like how, what, why? Let's let's dive into it. OK, so um, it was a software company uh, that was uh, geared towards CPAs. So people that did tax returns, people people that did bookkeeping. And so we really focused on that very narrow market. And we we really built it on this thing called the mailers. Okay. And it's a it's an old technology where you actually mail something out, they open it up, they read it, and then they respond to it. So we got to where we were so good at doing this. It was a unique offering that we we offered back back. Now you read about this in history, but back when we have five and a quarter inch floppy disk. Wow, you remember reading about that? So we actually built technology around there. You know, and the uh, the computers back then knew how to go beep beep, and that's all they knew how to say. But we got it to where they actually would speak to the CPA. You know, and just some Jedi uh, tricks here just to say, hey, you want to try us out? We can help you out. But we ended up sending out uh, 1.2 million pieces of mail every year. It generated about 40 to 50,000 leads for us or what we call demos. We'd ship out packages. And that would be the basis of of our growth. And we got to where we were about the third or fourth largest CPA software firm, and we had the big boys coming along and wanting to buy us. And uh, turns out we're into it and it buys us. But a lot of a lot of our success, my friend, has really been uh, based on the leadership culture that I created there, which is at an entry level, you're expected to be a leader. And leadership starts by first going inward before you go outward. It's learning to lead yourself. Um, learning to realize that you're going to project however you feel about yourself and the world around you. You're going to project that whether you know it or not. 
you can't play poker, you know, poker face on your emotional state or how you feel about yourself and the world around you. So I like to define leadership is really the moment by moment management of your emotional state. So you can have an emotional state of everything's wrong with me and the world's against me. What kind of problems are you going to solve during this time? Right? With that kind of mindset, boom, it just like go off the, the deep end. And so if we had a mindset of I'm capable, uh, I'm creative, I'm part of an awesome team, let's solve this problem. I like, I like to say there's these 50 management maxims are called TR management maxims. And one of them is he or she who sees it, solves it. If you see it, solve it, get off your butt and get after it. You know, that's what business owners do. And so we actually leadership is really, it starts with taking ownership Hmm. of your life of your job of your responsibilities, not looking for an excuse, but looking to make a difference. And so that's, that's kind of what, that's how we built this software company. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't just, we happen to be successful. We define leadership. One of my, another definition for leadership is leadership is improving your looks. All right. Now you're a sharp looking guy here, stylish looking glasses, right? We're all looking at that, but I'm not talking about you looking better, like in the mirror, like, wow, that's a good looking but it's improving how you're looking at what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Either you're looking at it from a place of impossibility or possible. It's you're incapable or capable. Uh, you're going to stand up and act on it, or you're going to sit down and ignore it. Hmm. And based on improving your looks that you can begin to act upon the world around you to improve it. Boom. That's the basis of a great company. So, I mean, it's definitely interesting. So, I mean, let's dive into you a little bit more, right? So if taking what you just said and you're you're driving based upon leadership and you're creating everything that you're doing in this world right now based upon leadership, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? (laughs) You know, the less words you use, the more it takes to think through it, right? Because it's it's not what you choose. It's what you choose not to use. Um. I would say I'm a catalyst for creative ownership. Mm. It takes creativity and ownership to get stuff done. And so I'm a catalyzer to get people to own their stuff. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I quote a lot from the Bible. I don't shove it down anybody's throat, but I say the first lesson from the Bible is what, well, most people say, well, love one another. Well, that's probably the most important, but it's not the first. The first lesson is the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God did the thing he wants us to do. In the beginning, God created. So the first lesson is either we create towards or we react against. And there's stuff in the people watching us right now, that person watching us right now, there's stuff in your business that you're reacting to that if you'll reverse that curse, and begin creating towards you get better results quicker. Hmm. So, I mean, that's interesting, right? So, I mean, you're talking about push and pull. You're talking about the yin and yang. So, and you're really big on leadership right. in, in this spectrum, right? But every great leader, there has to be some downfall. There has to be negative. You wouldn't be a great leader if you haven't hit hurdles. So, my next question is, if you can kind of test, testify to something that has happened to say in your last 30 years of building these businesses, the worst experience that you could imagine happened, but then you overcame it. Well, I, I mean, I, I have a life of uh, overcoming obstacles. I like to, one of my mottos is uh, your adversity is your advantage. Mm. And uh, <laughs> not, not hardly living through the first week or so of my life to somebody in authority announcing a curse over me, said I'll never be a speaker, public, public speaker, mm. to uh, having to learn to read and write all over again when I was 15 to, um, you know, we're, we, you know, I remember my first job at PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, there started, started with a whole bunch of us, about 16 or 18 of us. And I finished the first evaluation, the bottom third of the, of the class. I've never been the bottom third of anything, you know? And, uh, so I realized I was reacting against and not creating towards mm-hmm. and just, 
had a, you know, had a checkup from the neck up and really changed my whole attitude of creating towards things. And the next review, I was the top two performers of the, of those same group. Um, you know, even in this coaching business, uh, you know, I, I got started and people stayed away from me in droves. <laughs> so now, now this is true. This is, I'm big in the numbers. My friend, we built our first hundred clients, our first hundred coaching clients. I mean, simultaneously coaching clients and building my team. But we built that on a 99.75% rejection rate. So we were flourishing in what most people would consider to be a failure. And we did that through cold calling. You know, again, this is a, an ancient uh, art that we read about in the history <laughs> books. So, I mean, you know, every day, like right now, I'm, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a challenge here of we have, we have these clients that a lot of them are, you know, they're in a volatile spot, you know, cash flow issues, whatever. And so, you know, sometimes our backdoor of clients canceling versus clients coming in, you know, that's been a challenge because we're so big that it requires us to have so many new clients coming in. Mm -hmm. So we're facing a challenge even right now. I'm just continuing to grow the number of simultaneous clients that we have. And we get some huge, huge goals on that. But, you know, you're... One uh, psychologist, a dear friend of mine said, either you're in the middle of a challenge or you're just coming out of a challenge or you're about ready to come into a challenge. So welcome to a life of challenge. That's, you know, the best get better because they look at life as not how long can I be without a challenge, but how do I behave and respond to the challenges that come towards me constantly? So I, I, I think I, I love this, this particular episode because, I mean, you're talking about like these landmark achievements and is this kind of like you just blow past them. Like and again, you brought up Pricewater House Cooper, which is, I think, in like the top four of all accounting firms. Yeah, globally. Yeah. And he just name dropped it. Like, oh, yeah, I just worked for them. So like with working with a company of that scale and that magnitude, you think that was a benefit to creating your software and getting you to where you are right now currently? Well, there's a, I mean, it's a huge organization, but um, the, the amount of skills that w they want you to learn and the intensity of work, it really sharpens your thinking processes. Hmm. Now, I got out of Cooper's and Libran and I couldn't program myself out of a wet paper sack. So that wasn't my, you know, my skill. I, I learned some programming, but that wasn't my skill. My skill was creating structures of accountability uh, creating uh, means of communication, making sure the right stuff got identified to get done and it got done on a timely basis. So setting up systems in the business and making sure that we create a cadence in that business. That's what I created, you know, at the software company. And, and that's, that's primarily what we do now in helping businesses. Now we're a coaching company. And so, you know, for years, I, I would tell people what to do. Now we're a do it for you coaching company. So people are so busy. We lay out the, the groundwork or the blueprint of what they need to do to get to the three-year goal. And then we actually implement that for them. We do it for them. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that I've learned in these, in these challenging times of having to create these systems myself. They had to work. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when I when I bring them into the lives and the businesses of, of my clients, I've already proven them in my own businesses. Hmm. So let's talk about systems. I mean, I love the fact that you brought up systems and I'm a big systems guy as well, too. But you're talking about, let's say, 100 clients, right? Let's say 150 new clients. You're coaching them. Right. You have to have an onboarding system. You have to have like people yes. come in at different levels. So you have to have variable systems. So let's talk about like what kind of systems do you currently have in place when somebody's getting onboarded with you guys? Okay, so very good. So our first package we sell um, and this is just for the folks that whatever package you guys sell is mm -hmm. hopefully this will be helpful. Our first package we sell is a three month package. You buy three months at it to the first three months, 
Why? Because we lay out the blueprint unique to your business. Then it takes us about three months to implement, to get everything lined up in place. Now you'll more than make the money you invested to get this done during that time. But people typically will add at least a hundred thousand dollars of additional profits to their business in the following 12 months. And if it's a larger business, two or three or five or $12 million business, and they'll blow past that and just usually during the first three months. So, you know, systems are, there's all kinds of systems in a business, the marketing system, a sales workflow or sales system, information gathering and, and process and decision-making system, a hiring system, a training system, a cash flow management system. So we help people in whatever is the squeakiest wheel. We're going to address that. I'm a big fan of Ellie Golrat. It's uh, the goal and it's not luck. And, and uh, so those, uh, those uh, core constraints, they'll move around in a business. As you solve one thing, you know, there'll be a constraint somewhere else. So we chase those constraints and get the business optimized here. And we do it. You know, the biggest the biggest challenge that our clients have at our level, and they're coming in usually five million dollars or less. So we're working with smaller businesses. We we work with a lot of, I mean, one one of my oldest clients, he's now got about a hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty million dollar a year client, but he started with me at 10 million, you know. So, but most of these guys are smaller, and so they really need help with their marketing, they're spending gobs of money without getting the results they want. And they usually do not have a good sales workflow, follow up and getting all the systems and that huge amounts of money going through the business with no effect because of ineffective marketing and sales systems. Hmm. Another huge, huge deal is uh, in today's labor shortages, uh, having a hiring system. And our hiring system actually cuts down people's interview time by about 75%. And it really gets people where they really find the people they need, get them on board, get them uh, onboarded, as you said, trained up and functioning at a pretty high level in a shortest amount of time possible. Interesting. So I'm going to go back. I mean, earlier on, you were talking about you as a kid. So I'm, I'm going to paint this picture what I see you as a kid. Right. And then I'll okay. correct me as wrong. I see you as a super ambitious kid. I see you riding through the neighborhood on a bike, ringing your bell, delivering newspapers, going back to your whole male analogy about being old school. Right. So correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Did you have this hustle growing up when you were a kid? I did have the hustle. I was terribly shy. I was born a cleft palate and kids would make fun of the way I spoke. I spoke and I would get so nervous. I would stutter. And uh, so I was really introverted, super introverted. As a matter of fact, when I was just a few days old, had a priest look at my deformity and my handicap and says, this boy will never be a priest. He'll never be a public public speaker. And uh, most priests are really good people and they really mean well and help the community. This guy, for some reason, he just, he declared himself, he, uh, you know, left the church and declared himself to be just horrible. You know, I, I don't want to down anybody, but he like announced this curse over me. So every time I talk, even one-on-one with you, I'm in defiance of that curse. But so I, I was more out of that, as Thoreau talked about that quiet desperation. I, I was terribly afraid of speaking up and even being in pictures and, and, um, and I, and I didn't want to not have money. I didn't want to not have choices. And so I just learned to work my rear end off and just make things happen. I did throw a paper route, you know, and I, uh, I mean, I'm thinking like, God, did this guy read my mail or what, what, what kind of intel you got over there? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I end up going, uh, going door to door selling these decoupage plaques. Wow. Deathly afraid to talk to anybody. And, uh, and I just leaned into it until I became successful, you know, and it's, it's kind of like this. It's, it's like uh, Albert uh, Adler talked about in the early 1900s. He's a psychologist. 
and you studied inferiority complex and you said there's there's two responses that people have to this either they they use that inferiority complex or that weakness and it defines them and they live under the shadow of that or and it's kind of a stumbling block or they use that inferiority complex or that handicap or that challenge as a stepping stone and he and he used this whole concept of of uh, compensating weaknesses where the very area where your challenge existed you actually work so much against that or wanting to overcome that, that you actually became an expert in that. And he talked about how, how many artists were people that had some real optic issues, how the best composers and conductors uh, either couldn't hear at all or could hardly hear or, or the, you know, the, uh, and nowadays, you know, people that have gone through horrible marital challenges are now marital coaches and you know sometimes in the in the biggest pain we find ourselves most equipped to help that's why i say your adversity is your advantage you know it's like boom stand up and and make it happen stop feeling we're tired of your old story we're tired of you not winning we're we're ready for you to stand up we're not condemning you we're not judging you you know we're all in the middle of a challenge but just change your tune, stand up and stumble forward. It's not pretty, but think about this when you're like nine months or a year old or three years old, whenever you learn to walk and you think about this here, my friend, and we, we get up and we we're walking along the table, along the wall. Then we, we see all these humans around us walking without any help. And so we try to do the same. We take two or three steps and bound. We just bam, hit our head while we're crying, while there's a bump on our head, while we're in this pain, we get up on a tripod and we try it again. Mm -hmm. That's how we learn to walk. Yeah. And that's the kind of attitude that business owners have got to have with their business. Just keep on getting up. And I'm not meaning to be a, you know, a motivational talker here, but I'm just telling you, we're sitting down and damn it, it's time to stand up. Hmm. It's yeah, time yeah. to say, yes, I'm going forward with this thing. And I'm going to struggle through what doesn't look like it's working to have 399 no's. That's a lot to go through. And we learn to flourish in that massive rejection. And I'm telling you, that's, that's, you know, the thing that keeps a kite in the air is the resistance you know, that's yeah. trained. So, yeah. I mean, hearing you speak, I mean, you're definitely inspirational just by your tonality and what you're saying. And again, you're overcoming things that potentially people said about you when you was younger. So that's, that's one side of the coin. So my next question is being that you are so entrepreneurial, right? And you have uh, so much insight. Did you get that from someone maybe in your family, maybe your dad or an uncle or aunt, like where are you getting your entrepreneurial insight from genetically? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think it's genetically. I think that's bullshit. You know, I think we way overplay genetics. Um, there are, I should, probably shouldn't say that on the phone, on the, um, podcast so you can erase that word here sorry um we way overplay it and whenever we look at something else making our decision or making us um we weaken ourselves now i don't believe in a self-made woman or a self-made man we need all of us to grind and spark each other and that kind of thing but you know it's 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 what you do with what you've been given. Sure, you've got a genetic code and absolutely it has some effect. Diseases you may you may be challenged with, learning abilities or whatever, whatever that may be, you know, and I'm not, I don't take that lightly, but don't use that as an excuse to say where you are, you know, it's an, an excuse is a permission slip to stay where you are reason just is is uh reason is just that having a good excuse to be where you are you know and what did george bernard shaw say she, he said listen 
is the reasonable man adapts himself to the world, but the unreasonable man makes the world adapt to him. Hmm. He said, therefore, all progress in the world is done by unreasonable people, you know, unreasonable people. And so, and, and I'm not saying to be, you know, you're uh, licensed to be a jerk to people. You know, you want to be pleasant to work with where people want to come back to you and do business with you again. But it's like, you know, don't, don't hide behind a story that's not empowering you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had to learn to read and write again. I, I was, you know, I was almost killed in a car wreck and my brother was killed in a car wreck, the same car wreck. And I wasn't expected to live. And, but the grace, but for the grace of God, go I. I'm I'm not anybody special. I'm not anybody that's got any kind of a super uh, human abilities. It's just is having some want to, and is keep on getting up when you get knocked down. Mm. You know, and uh, I got <laughs> I got more failures I can tell you than successes, and uh, so. That's why I love what I'm doing. I'm telling you, I was talking to a guy that was having a rough time making payroll. And I've spoken to crowds of 20,000 people. And I feel the smile of God as much on me talking to this plumber that could barely make payroll, barely being able to afford his mortgage. And I was talking to him just a couple of years ago and uh, just making a few thousand dollars a, a, a month. And now he's making between forty and fifty thousand dollars profit on top of a handsome salary he's paying himself forty to fifty thousand dollars a month in profits every month. Hmm. I mean, that gets me up early in the morning. And the people watching this, they've got the capacity. Some of them are into it. That's great. I could learn tons from every everybody watching this. I promise you, from you, from everybody watching this. Some have already kind of in that zone. Some of you, you can see your promised land from where you are. Just, just keep on tracking. I read a lot. I ask a lot of questions. I, I begin kind of a Zen concept of having that beginner's mind here. I don't want what I know to block me from learning what I need to know. You know, and. Uh, I surround with myself with people that aren't so impressed with me that they're going to, they're going to tell me how the cow eats the cabbage. <laughs> they're going to tell me, you know, that uh, my stuff doesn't smell so good, you know, <laughs> so deal with it. Is this too real or is this? No, too no. Crude? I, mean, it's definitely I, I hope it's not too crude. No, no. I mean, I think it, it, it's, it's, the more original and authentic that we are as entrepreneurs and giving people opportunity to see who we are behind the scenes, behind the, the, the CEOs or behind the businesses, it gives them opportunity to realize that we're real people and they could be us as well too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Push through the struggle. So like, well, my next question is kind of like, I mean, you're delivering so much different value, right? So I, I wanted to kind of know like, how do you then manage like your work life with your family life? Cause again, I, I think when you're on, you're on, you're on 10,000% and you're go, 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 go. But do you ever have opportunity to stop or is your life with your family more integrated into what you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, yeah. As a business owner, it, it really requires a level of obsession. Now what I've learned to do, and I've learned to do this from more, trial and error than from mastery i'm sharing as much out of need as i'm out of mastery so just you know i want want make people to make sure i'm not looking down on anybody as a matter of fact i'm looking up to these people i'm talking to and um it really helps to uh a lot of business owners don't have this process where they they've got a, a daily hour of power uh, personal planning where we've got our to-do list, we got our calendar out, you know, it's on computer, but I'm, I'm going through emails and text messages and, you know, voice messages. And I've got set questions that I ask that forces me to look at every aspect of my business. And I get, and I think through the day before I live it. And it allows me to be a lot more intentional. And, um, and so with my wife and with my kids, which are all grown up, my youngest is, um, is 23 and she's, she's in dental school now, just finished her first 
year of that, but everybody out, all my three boys are out and working. But what I do is when I'm really coming into some heavy duty hours, if I can talk to my wife and I say, here's what I need to get done. And here's some lines I'm going to draw. If it takes me longer than that, I'm going to come home or I'm going to, we're going to do our date. Or we're gonna, and I'm gonna as much as I can, and I have a rough time with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm learning to be present. My present to my wife is to be present mm. and uh, to be fully engaged, to turn off my phone. I've got my phone turned off over there. I'm talking to a big shot right now, right? <laughs> you got people that I'm very honored to have them listen in on us, not because of me, but because of you. You're the one that gathered them. And, uh, but you, you know, it's, it, it's not a pretty picture, but the best you can create expectations and get your planning done. And as much as you can time block your time, you're going to work on this, honor that time. If you had an appointment with your banker, you know, would you be late to it? Would you forget it? No, no. You're going to even show up early, hopefully. Well, you have somebody much more important than your banker. You have yourself. Or you have your spouse or your partner or your significant other. And so if you set a, a, a time block for that, honor that as much as you can. Turn off your phone. Turn off the gadgets. Turn off the interact, interruptions and get focused. When you learn to do that, especially when you like when I say, hey, wife, uh, I'm going to be done here. I'm going to be home here. I've, I've blown that so many times, but when I show up and I, and I, and I honor my word and I follow through with it, boom, we got a lot better relationship. So I, I mean, I, you, you have to just draw a line. You have to time block or it's going to be all consuming. Wow. Wow. So going back to, I think about maybe like 15 minutes ago, you were talking about like you're an average reader, right? And you, you say you ask a lot of questions, you read a lot of books. So like this next question kind of falls into that category. What books do you recall? And it's a three-part question. So the first part is what books do you recall reading to help you get to where you are currently? Okay. Well, this morning I went through a couple books because I, I, I read, I, I buy them on Kindle and I buy them on Audible so I can read it and uh, listen to it. So I was working out this morning and I was going through the last bit of Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning, which is awesome. You know, you can't get enough of that and just listen, reading some of the intricacies of what he talked about. Then I went into another book he wrote called Yes to Life um, or something to that degree. Um, and so I've just I've just been feeding on Victor Frankl, which is just you know, making that choice, you know, that's why I come in so strong against the genetics, you know, it's like your genetics are beautiful. It makes it uniquely who you are, you know, does it have baggage? Of course it has baggage. Are you complete slave to it? Well, if you believe there's a complete, if you're a complete slave to it, then now you're, you know, now it's dictating you're, you're, you know, the Victor Frankl thing is like, use your choice, you know, Stephen Covey made Victor Frankl popular. He says, hey, between the, 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 the stimuli and your response to that stimuli is this little space called freedom of choice. Use it. You know, I like Stephen Covey. I've read a lot of uh, Don Miller. He is a just brilliant writer on business stuff. I read, I love to read biographies of founders and uh, early stages of companies and what they do. I love reading articles that are not, um, you know, making excuses and apologize for capitalism, you know, <laughs> just, you know, the people having the, they're making billions of dollars. Now they're downing capitalism, the very vehicle that got them there. There, there is this thing called benevolent capitalism. So, uh, which is, uh, you create, I, I redefine in this book here, power to create, I redefine wealth as creating value to serve others. And the more you do that, the more wealth you're going to generate and the more wealth you're going to be able to gather. So, um, you know, so that I, I've got, I mean, if you mention a book, uh, I've read it. Um, uh, keep, you know, I love, I love, 
I love authors that make me think. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, well, thinking about authors YouTube. that make you think. Yeah. Let's talk about you for a minute. Like you just pulled up your book, so let's talk mm-hmm. about that book for a minute. Is yeah. that the only book that you've authored, or have you authored multiple? I, I've written I've written three other books here, and um, this is uh, one I'm probably proudest of because it really it really captures the uh, the essence of my coaching methodology and really my philosophy of life. And uh, I jump right in the middle of this book of defining uh, your relationship with money. So most people, like if I if I were to talk to all the people, I can see all the people watching this now, and I say, hey, if I had a million dollars to give give you, would you take it? <laughs> yeah. Who wants more money? Yes, I want. Mm-hmm. And then I asked the same crowd. I said, now have you ever seen somebody that didn't have a lot of money and they came into a whole lot of money at one time? And you see, it really messed them up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've seen people ruined by money. Oh yeah, I've seen people ruined by money. Well, is that a cognitive dissonance here? You want more money, yet money ruins people. So which is it? You know. So I in the book I talk about really getting into a healthy relationship with money, and then I redefine what wealth is. It's it, it is gathering of assets, money, and houses and stuff but it's really a creative process. It's something not that comes to you, but something that flows from you. And I have, I have trained leaders on the back um, outskirts of uh, Accra, Ghana, in, uh, in Mindanao and Philippines, outside of Kangan Dioro, to in Switzerland and Sweden and England and Australia and uh, Central America, South America. I've been all over the place teaching these things that you can create wealth. Wealth is creating value to serve other people. And it's built on an exchange system, not a free system. Free system promotes poverty. An exchange system uh, promotes increasing the exchanges you have with one another. So you got to have something valuable enough for something you want to pay or exchange something of value to get that. And so that's what we help people do in our coaching as well as increasing the value they're able to create. So, so let's say you're talking to someone, right? And, and, and you can tell them the ideal avatar. Cause again, you're talking about a particular mentality, a t- particular type of business right. owner, not just any business owner, not just any leader. So if you can paint this avatar, who would this avatar be? What is this person that you would ideally like to work with? So uh, we work with, now we work with some startups here. But most startups, they're lacking capital and they're lacking experience. Most businesses fail. And uh, so it's not that we don't have a heart for them. We actually have training set up for them. Um, But in order to get paid, we like to work with businesses that are already going. They just want a 10x or at least 5x of where they're at. And they want to increase their profitability they want to increase the people that work for them they realize that creating wealth is really creating a team and nurturing a team so we help them do that and uh so it's it's people that are coachable that already have a business but they really want to grow it and they really have a vision that if they're at a hundred thousand or a half a million dollars and they want to 10x that boom, we're a perfect fit for that. We're going we're gonna to help them through every aspect of that. I, I've done that a number of times in my own businesses. And with, uh, we've worked with over 2,000 businesses at this point, one-on-one with, with the business owners and their teams to help them do that. So I've already solved many of the problems that they haven't even run into yet. It doesn't make me a know-it-all. I just you know, wax on, wax off. I've done this a whole lot. You know, I'm the karate kid many times over with that. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's stay on that bandwagon. So you're talking please. to that person, right? Yeah. What this is going to like a final words of wisdom. What would you yeah. tell that person? And let's say they're, they're at their lowest low right now. They're hitting that hurdle and they're coming to you to kind of help them. What words of inspiration would you give to them to help them to move forward and prosper? Okay. I would, first of all, say, you know, have you defined your product clear enough? Yes, I'm a plumber and I fix toilets that are broken. Okay, that's clear. You know, 
But I just talked to somebody that helps people develop passion and creativity. And I don't know what their package is. I said, what, what is the pack? What is the, what is the pain you make go away? So if you can't define that super clear and identify the target market of people that have that pain and they're, they have money to pay you to make that pain go away. Many times that's what's lacking a lot of businesses. It's not clear enough what it is they fix or they solve or they, they, they make the pain go away or they bring a solution to this challenge. That challenge is not clear enough or is not clear enough of who's having that challenge that are willing to pay to get it fixed. Wow. And, uh, and so that's on early startup here. Now on somebody that's got something going, they've already, you know, they're generating maybe 10 or 15 or $80,000 a month or a hundred thousand dollars a month. They've got it going. They've got a team going. The biggest challenge I see within that is three words is going to be worth a lot of money. I don't know if I should say this here without them paying me something. Do you think they ought to pay me? No, I'm just playing with you. Okay. You're like ready to hang, hang up on me. Don't, 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 don't hang up on me. Here's three words. That's going to make these people a lot of money. Casualness causes casualties. Casualness causes casualties. And so if you're somebody that's got a business going, but you're still a slave of it, well, gosh, I'm making good money. I know, but you're working 90 hours a week. Hmm. What's going on? <laughs> so uh, who owns who, you know, uh, and uh, you're working in your business or on it. So with those people, I would say, what casual thing are you tolerating that you need to draw the line to say, I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. Now we'll help you articulate what it is that needs to be fixed and how to fix that. Cause you can fix it and make it a bigger problem. <laughs> I've done that before. All right. So, so those are, those are uh, two groups I would uh, address. Does that, do you think that's yeah. helpful? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so let's say someone's listening and, and they want, want your help. Do you have like an offer? Like how could they get in contact with you? Where do they find you? Yeah. So they can find me on my website, uh, contact our team. It's Redmond growth. So Redmond, like where Microsoft is based, R E D M O N D Redmond growth, G R O W T H redmondgrowth.com. Or if they want to email me and they say, Hey, you know, I love this podcast. I give it a five star. And if they do that, what, what I'll do, they can email me, Tim, T-I-M at redmondgrowth.com. Or if they call a number on my website or on the Google business listing, uh, that's actually my cell phone. Why? Because I want to talk to enough. We have enough people coming in on our marketing that I, don't, I never talked to. So I'll talk to them if they call. And if I don't answer the phone, I'm either talking to a client or I'm chasing my wife around. I'm not going to let either one of those things be interrupted. I'll get back to you. So the idea here is if they will call and they've got a legitimate business going right now, not an idea, not, not an idea session, but they've got a business and they want to 10X that or they really want to get going on it. What we do is we do what we call a growth plan. And in this growth plan, we identify the company, the weaknesses, the strengths in it. We identify the unique market, what the capacity is of the business, you know, with where they're at. And then we extrapolate that to their three-year goal that they want to get to. Then we go back and we, based on that, we create a blueprint of concrete, actionable items, at least eight or 10 of them that if they can do it on their own or if we will implement it for them, that's part of how we make our money. Mm. But it, these eight or 10 steps, if they'll implement them, they'll, they'll add at least a hundred thousand dollars of profits onto the business in the next 12 months. Okay. And so we normally, because you can make so much money on what we give you, we normally charge $2,500 for that. If they identify you, uh, Mr. Grant and the boss uncaged podcast, if they identify that, um, they love you and they, they have some good things to say, we'll waive that $2,500 fee free of charge, no cost. 
they get all the benefit of that and they can walk away. There's no obligation to work with us, but if they work with us, they'll love it. But um, it's, it's very, very powerful. It's eye-opening. If every business owner that I've ever had go through, they go, wow, I see my business differently. And it's, they're empowered to act on it in very concrete ways. Yep. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely appreciate you. So for the listeners, if you're listening, I would definitely, you know, take Tim up on, on his offer. It, it's it's one of these things that, you know, once in a lifetime kind of offer, it's it's cost $2,500. He's giving it away free. So it only makes sense that if you have opportunity to go ahead and sign up for it and check it out. Yeah. So I got a couple more questions and then yeah. we'll go into closing, right? Um, on a day-to-day basis, right? I mean, you have all these different systems. You're, you're a software guy to a certain extent as well, too. So right now in your current line of business, what tools or software do you use on a day-to-day that you would not be able to do without having access to that platform? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I'm an accountant. So that means there's part of me that's a tightwad. Okay. So for years, we had our lead tracking in Google Sheets. Mm. And we, uh, for our... Uh, for our coaching, what we do in each coaching session is we identify, you know, what action is going to be taken by our team because we have a whole implementation team and what action needs to be taken by the, by the client and their team. And it's what, by who, by when, it's those three W's here that we identify real clearly and we put it into a Google doc. So it's a secure doc that only they have access to and we have access to, but it's accountable. So we get to get with them the next week. Boom. Did we get it done? Who's doing what, you know? And so we do that. Uh, we've uh, used uh, a CRM called Zoho before we're actually used. We're changing that to another CRM that's built just for coaches coaching organizations someplace down in um, Australia. Uh, we're, we're just onboarding that right now. Um, we uh, use, um, we do Facebook advertising. We advertise anywhere from 3000 to $25,000 a month with Facebook and TikTok, for God's sake. <laughs> we're using TikTok. Uh, so we use Zapier and the different, different tools of linking leads. Um, and uh, I would say we've tried a number of different uh, autoresponder emails and uh, text broadcast, uh, personalized text broadcast tools. So those are some of the things that we use. Wow. Wow. That's a great stack for sure. So going into like a bonus round, I got a bonus question for you. <laughs> okay. Right. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Wow. Well, I, I think of some of the big industrialists. I think one of the first guys that comes to mind is Andrew Carnegie, who developed uh, two major industries, uh, the steel industry and the bridge building industry. Most people don't know the second thing as much, but that's where he made all his money. Uh, and I think people like a John D Rockefeller mm -hmm. who said he worked harder at giving his money away than he did making it, but he created uh, a number of industries on that. I think of, um, um, I think of just traveling around with Martin Luther King Jr. and some of what he, the intensity of his commitment and the influence he had from Gandhi and others uh, in the way that he made an impact on our nation and helped to make a lot of changes, hopefully for the better. Um, one person is just like, you know, I, I would think from the Bible, King David, he was kick-ass, man. Uh, he was passionate. He's <laughs> all the things I want to be. He was very articulate. He was a skillful musician. Um, he was a can-do guy. There's no giant big enough that he couldn't just get after it. He inspired the down-and-outers that wanted to give up in life. They were the outcasts, and those became David's mighty men, you know? And uh, he... He forged uh, a nation and changed history on that. So, wow. I don't. I mean, that's a tough question. So, these are just some some yeah. musings that come to mind. 
Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I definitely appreciate you. And, and usually what I do going into closing of the Boston Cage podcast, as you're the guest, now you're the host and I become your guest. Do you have any questions that may have come up during this podcast that you'd like to ask me? Well, I, you know, what, what inspires you to do this podcast or what is the end result you want to see happen with these amazing people that are engage with this podcast well first for for the guests right i i want us to have an abundance of this type of content so the up-and-coming next generation of entrepreneurs or the startup guys that are starting up right now would listen to this and they're getting like live feedback from someone that has done it before so it's like taking some of the experience and giving it back to some of the non-experience and trying to get some more of like like you said earlier more so capital equality in a sense through education but we're not talking them to death we're telling your story and by telling your story people are getting inspired they're getting passionate they're becoming right. motivated and then obviously our kids as well too like you know what would it look like if my kid he's he's 16 now but maybe when 16 years from now he's 32 and he has a kid and this content will still be around he could say hey go listen to your grandfather's episode season three episode 15 he's talking directly to you right now boom Awesome. That's really, really good. Well, and one last question here is, uh, what's, what gets you up early in the morning excited for life? Wow. I mean, there's multiple different things. I mean, obviously family first and foremost, I mean, waking up and seeing the kids prosper and do their things. I'm seeing my wife every single day, but as far as on the business side of things, it's, it's having opportunities to meet new people like you having opportunities to have these discussions and to think that you and I, we just met for the first time today, but we have a kinship through this podcast and some synergy and some conversations that I don't think is going to end here. Like, you know, you could reach out to me 30 days from now. I can reach out to you three years from now. And all we have to do is say, remember that time we were talking on Boston Cage podcast and then everything comes back from that conversation. I look forward to that now, Mr. Grant. So, uh, (laughs) I, I, I like that. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I got from my question. So. Great. Well, Tim, I definitely appreciate it. I think you brought the energy level on 10,000 to the listeners listening right now. Tim is an example of what passion and desire and motivation looks like. And I mean, again, like he said earlier on in this podcast, you have to get up every single time you fall down and not only get up, get up, jump and start running to get to the next level, to get to your accomplishment and get to your goals. I appreciate you being here today, Tim. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss in Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.